Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this sermon from Hope Church here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I pray that the preaching and teaching of this ministry has built your faith in Christ, inspired you to abide in him, and equipped you as a Jesus follower, no matter where you're tuning in from. If you would say that you have benefited from the ministry here at Hope, we would love to invite you to partner with us by joining in our year-end offering we call Hope for the World. Our goal is to raise $300,000 that will go towards meeting specific needs in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. So if you've enjoyed the blessings of this video or podcast resource, would you prayerfully consider making a gift to this Hope for the World offering? If it's on your heart to do so and the Spirit is leading you, you can go to hopechurchlv.com give for the details about the specific needs we are seeking to meet through this offering. Thanks in advance for your generosity. Now, let's jump into our December sermon series, The Weary World Rejoices. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Early Christmas, Hope Church family. I know there are many people that call this church family home. I know there are many guests here today. If you are a guest, I would love the chance to meet you later on. I'll be out in the lobby. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm, I'm the, I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here at this incredible church. I hope you've already just experienced the love of God and the grace of God as we worship him together. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to 1 John chapter 4. Maybe you brought a physical Bible or you can just open up the Bible app. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be there in just a little while, but something happened on February 9th, 2009. I don't know if you remember where you were on February 9th, 2009, but I would say the thing that happened actually changed the world. And when I say what it is in just a moment, you're going to have a hard time remembering a world without this thing. And you're going, what, what is it? And February 9th, 2009, Facebook introduced us to the like button, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually funny. I didn't know this. I learned this this week. Facebook began in 2003, and of course, before that was MySpace. Anybody have a MySpace account? Some of you remember that, yeah? Younger people in the room are like, what's MySpace? It's cool. It's fine. Before, it started in 2003, and for six years, if you liked something that your friend posted, you just had to say, you know what? I like that. There was no digital way to tell your friend that you like their outfit or their, their Christmas tree decorations or whatever it is that we like. But now it's like hard to imagine a world without the like button. As a matter of fact, this is going to fall on complete deaf ears with Gen Z and, and, and Alpha generation. But those of you that are not that, uh, do you remember when Facebook, you used to be able to, to poke your friends? How weird is that? You guys remember that? You just go on your friend's profile and just give them a little poke, okay? We've come a long way since the poke of Facebook. Now, of course, we have a buffet of affir affirmations. Here's not what we have. You've seen this. Not only can you like it, you can love it, you can ha-ha it, you can wow it, you can be sad about it, you can be angry about it. And then now it's like we don't know a world where there's not a way to let people know how you're feeling about what they post. In fact, a little fun fact, they, they've started experimenting in different countries taking away the like button. And spoiler alert, people hate it. Because <laughs> they're going, wait a minute, how am I supposed to know if people like my stuff if I don't count how many likes and loves and hearts that I have? See, we've actually gotten used to our lives being measured by affirmation <laughs> and approval. Basically, I post something and I wanna see how many people are about to tell me that I am awesome. That's the world that we live in. And we're having a lot of fun with this, but it actually taps into something pretty deep that I want to talk about tonight. See, I believe this statement with my whole heart. 
We were created to live from a place of approval. Human beings, we were actually created by God to live from a place of approval. Let me try to explain that to you. Many of you know, even if you don't read the Bible often, that the Bible starts with this incredible poem, this poet, poetic language talking about how God created everything that we know. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, you might know the first five words of the Bible. It says simply, in the beginning, God what? Created. Some of you are really nervous to say the wrong word. He created. <laughs> he created everything we see. The, the amazing galaxies and the majesty of the universe and the rainforest and the depths of the sea and, and the world that we see all around us. The, the animals that are extraordinary. The microscopic wonders. God created it all. And he said... It was good, approved, exactly how I want it. In fact, the story goes on later in that, in that poetic language in Genesis chapter 1, and, and we come onto the scene. Look at it in Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, approved in fact, at the end of all creation, everything else was made was good. And at the end of, 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 of the crowning jewel, us being made in his image, it says in Genesis 1:31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God, God hit the cosmic love button of his own creation and said, it's exactly how I want it. We were created to live from a place of approval. Some of you know the story, and it took a very dark turn. You don't have to read much into the Bible to see that the perfect paradise was punctured by the first broken promise. Sin came into the world. The first people, Adam and Eve, they, they disobeyed, they sinned, they rebelled against this holy God. They turned their back on him, and if we're honest, Every single human being has done the same thing since. We've lived not how we were supposed to in that approval of our God. The relationship between God and humanity was, was fractured, broken, separated to the point where later in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, it says this in verse 23, for all have sinned. That word all literally means every single human being that has ever existed other than one that we're gonna talk about in just a moment. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all failed to meet the standard. We've all sinned. And, and honestly, in the last few years, doing what I do here at Hope and, and our pastoral team, it's not very hard to convince people that the world is not how it should be. I don't find many people now that think that everything that's going on on planet Earth or even everything that's going on inside of them is exactly how it should be. In fact, you came to a Christmas Eve service titled The Weary World Rejoices. It's titled after that 19th century Christmas song that we all love, Oh Holy Night. But we, in fact, still live in a very weary world. Right now, it's weary from war happening in the Middle East War happening in Ukraine, but let's be honest, closer to home, war happening right here in our lives. War happening in our homes and in our hearts. 
weary, we're all weary from our failures and shortcomings that we don't like to talk about, but we know are in, inside of us, underneath the surface of our lives, no matter how great our Instagram profiles look. We don't do what we should. We do the things that we shouldn't, and we're weary, unsatisfied. And the bummer part is, is we were, we were created to live satisfied, created to live from that place of approval and something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. What we're doing is, is now we look to the things that, that can't satisfy us to try to get that approval back. See, we're trying to fill the void that we lost in the garden so many years ago because we were created by a God who doesn't just have love. The Bible says God is love. That's what 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says. You probably heard this verse if you never opened the Bible in your life. God is love. But we've been separated from that God because of our own rebellion. And so to try to fix it like we always try to do, we've actually flipped the script. It's not, we don't say God is love. Here's what we say. Love is God. <laughs> we are obsessed with love. And think about all the Hallmark movies you've seen this Christmas season. <laughs> We as a culture, not just us, all over the world, almost every single culture on the planet, it dominates every aspect of those cultures, romance and love. It's really just the shadow of what we lost in the garden in our love relationship with God. Matter of fact, I did some study this week on, on love songs. Actually, there's a whole field of study called the psychology of music. And I learned this week that almost 70% of every single song that has ever been written since the 1960s. Almost 70% of those songs have something to do with love or romance. Pro probably all of your songs that you love on your Spotify playlist right now are love songs. Matter of fact, the Christmas carols that we all have loved or maybe not so loved over these last few weeks, some of us can't wait till January to get those things out of our head. You know what the number one streaming Christmas song of all time is? The number one stream Christmas song of all time. You're thinking, oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's gotta, be, it's gotta be Silent Night or Oh Holy Night or it's gotta be Mary Did You Know, but no, no, no. The number one stream Christmas song of all time is All I Want For Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey. I know you're singing it right now. You're singing it right now. Why are we like this? Because we were created to live from a place of approval. So why do I start the Christmas sermon this way? Why does all this matter? Because in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the gifts and the parties and all the music and tinsel and mistletoe wishes and all that cultural Christmas provides, the story of Christmas is really a story of love, the God of the universe doing the only thing possible to bridge the gap between a sinful humanity and a holy God. And that's the story we're gonna read in 1 John chapter four today. So pick me up in verse nine of this chapter as we look at the story of Christmas. 1 John 4, 9 says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Very simply, out of this passage of scripture, I wanna give us the story of Christmas in a sentence. We'll break the sentence down in three parts. Here's the first part. God showed us his love. That's the beginning part of verse nine says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. This text is telling us that somehow, some way, the God of the universe, in all his holiness, he made his love known to us. The Bible says manifest. Now that's not really a word we use very much in our culture. What does it mean that he made his love love manifest? It's actually a word that simply means to to bring out into public, to to make known. It's the opposite of of to keep secret or, or to hide. Some of you right now, like me, there's a bunch of presents underneath my Christmas tree that are not made manifest. They are hidden. They are wrapped up so my kids don't see what we got them for Christmas. But let me tell you what's about to happen in a few days on Christmas morning. Four ravenous wolves called my children are about to tear open those boxes and make manifest everything that they have received. What is This is to publicly show. God shows us his love. I was studying this this week and I thought of love being made manifest and actually made me think about my favorite, one of my favorite Christmas movies. You may have heard about it, but I I wanna show you a clip in just a moment. But before I do, I'll give you some context in case you've been living under a rock for the last 20 years, okay? You see, there's this man named Buddy. And Buddy somehow ends up at the North Pole when he's a baby and grows up thinking he's an elf, but he is not in fact an elf. He is a full grown man. And he finally finds this out and he finds out his father lives in New York City. So he goes on a crazy journey through all the gumdrop forests and all that to get to his father in New York City to show his love, to make manifest his love. Watch this clip. Dad! All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Uh, I, uh, I'm... I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. And guess what? I love you, I love you, I love you! Wow, that was weird. (laughs) What did Buddy the Elf just do to Walter Hobbs? He made his love manifest. I love you, I love you, I love you! There's nobody in that room that thought, I wonder if Buddy loves his dad. Everyone knew why, because he made it public. Listen, I know we're having a lot of fun with this, but there are some people in the room that need to hear this. No matter what you walked in here with, no matter what's been going on in your life, no matter how unlovable you feel, the God of the universe at Christmas made his love visible and made known to you. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's been made clear to you how. That's the second part of the story. God showed us his love by sending his son to give us life. That's what the verse continues to say, that God sent his only son into the world 
so that we might live through him. This holy God who is love sent his only son. That word only is a, is a word that means unique or one of a kind. And I know there's some people in the room that may be new to this whole thing. This was me about 20 years ago. I walked into church for the first time and, and you might be here right now and this whole thing is a little weird to you. I feel you, I've been there. But you're kind of wondering what all this hoopla is about this baby on Christmas. Why do we make such a big deal with the carols and the nativity scene? And why is this baby such a big deal? You don't get it. In fact, I looked up this week, 350,000 babies are born every single day around the world. Why is this baby so important? Why is this baby such a big deal? Don't miss this because it's very important because this baby is no ordinary baby. This baby is God in the flesh come to dwell among us. He's one of a kind. He's the only one like him because he is God. This is not a Christmas verse but I encourage you to put this verse somewhere near your new nativity scene next time you put it up. Colossians chapter one. This is a verse talking about the baby in a manger who is God in the flesh. That baby is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Don't miss this. All things were created through the baby and for the baby in the manger. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. The king who holds the universe was held as a baby. For what? To give you life. You may say, well, why do I need life? Because our sin, our rebellion, the thing that I think all of us know is in us, see, we earn something with that. We need life because we've earned death. Let me put some Bible on that. In Romans chapter six, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. What's a wage? It's something you earn. This might not be popular, but it's true. We earn something by our sin. And what we've earned is death. So Jesus came to give us life. I praise God the verse didn't end right here. There's a little dot, 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 because that's not the end of the story. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, church, this is why the baby came. This is why he came. This is why we celebrate Christmas God made his love visible by sending Jesus into the world to give us what we could not get ourselves, eternal life. There was a point in time when God the Father said, it is time. And he sent God the Son in the form of a baby to come and do what we could never do on our own. Listen, the baby born in Bethlehem was not an accident. The baby born in Bethlehem was an appointment for you and for me to give us life. How? That's the next part of the story. God showed his love, showed us his love by sending his son to give us life by dying in our place for our sin. That's what verse 10 says. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I'll be willing to bet not one person used the word propitiation this week. <laughs> People have been following Jesus for a long time. They're like, I don't even know what that word means. Let me tell you what it means. It means appeasement for wrath. Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is an unpopular idea all the time, but and when everyone shows up looking their Christmas best, to talk about the wrath of God is extremely unpopular, but it needs to be said because it's the reason that we celebrate. Some people think, how could you talk about the, the wrath of God in a sermon about the love of God? Don't miss this. The reason we have to do that is because the more you love something, the more capable you are of wrath. I try to explain it with a very imperfect human example. Those of you who are part of the Hope Church family, you probably know by now that my family and I probably have an unhealthy relationship with In-N-Out Burger, okay? <laughs> we love it a whole lot. There's, it's not even telling me how many times I have eaten In-N-Out. It's just probably ungodly, and I know it's unhealthy, but we love it. We love, love, love In-N-Out Burger. And we say we love In-N-Out Burger, but at the same time, I, I love my kids, Bryce, Avery, Blaine, and Aria, these are incredibly precious kids to me. How many of you know I don't love In-N-Out Burger the same way I love my kids or I need some help, okay? <laughs> so I want you to think about this for a minute because the more you love something, the more capable you are of wrath. Imagine sometime Christmas week, I went to In-N-Out and man, I got that beautiful fried, lightly well done with a double-double animal style, no tomato. And I sit down with that little red tray and I go to bite into that burger and you come up Nobody asked you to do this, but you come up and you steal that tray from me and throw it right in the garbage. Now, listen, I'm gonna be pretty annoyed with you, but I'm not gonna have wrath towards you. Imagine that same week I'm walking with my kids and we're at a park somewhere and somebody comes up unbeknownst to us and steals one of my children. Because of my love for them, there's gonna be some righteous wrath in me. Why? Because the more you love something, the more capable you are of wrath. Listen, this is for the Christians in the room. Christians, a lot of times we get all weirded out when we start talking about the wrath of God. In fact, you're like, I don't really wanna go there with my non-Christian friends because I don't know how to handle that. And we actually stray away from the wrath of God. But listen, you cannot talk about the love of God without talking about the wrath of God. It's necessary because there was something that needed to happen for your and my sin. The more you love something, the more capable you are of wrath. When you say God has no wrath, you say God has no love. See, most of the time we take issue with the wrath of God. I, I feel it. There's some people in here right now that are thinking, I cannot believe this. God could never do that. See, most of the time when we take issue with the wrath of God, it's because we don't take seriously the holiness of God. Not only that, but we also don't take how serious our sin is before a holy God. See, sin, it's so egregious. It's so appalling. It's, it's such an affront to the beauty and holiness of God that it cannot just be swept under the rug. It has to be paid for. Listen, it has to be appeased. A few years ago, my wife and I were celebrating our anniversary and we took a trip to 
Europe. We started in London, England. If you've ever been there, it's an incredible city, and we did all the tourist things, and one of the things we did is we went to what's called the Tower of London. Now, if you don't know much about it, it's this incredible castle with incredible history of the royal family and the whole thing, and it used to be a prison, and there's a million reasons why it's awesome, but the the centerpiece of the Tower of London is the crown jewels of Britain. There's all these incredible pieces of royalty, but the the centerpiece of the crown jewel is what is called St. Edward's crown. Now, honestly, I hadn't really seen this thing in action much, and you probably haven't either, until this last year. As you know, Queen Elizabeth, after many, many years on the throne, passed away, and her son, King Charles III, took the throne as the king of the commonwealth. And on his head, at his coronation, was placed St. Edward's crown. This is that same crown. I mean, it's this incredible sight. Here's the deal. I saw it, like right in front of me. It really was beautiful. It really was like a holy moment. And I don't say that lightly. The word holy actually means set apart. And you better believe they have St. Edward's crown set apart from from accident-prone people like me. (laughs) So it's within a glass case with some armed guards. There's some velvet ropes. I can't get too close. Why? Because Britain and the Commonwealth have said, this is incredibly valuable, incredibly important, incredibly beautiful, incredibly holy. I want you to imagine with me for a minute if I just had a rebellious streak that was just ungodly. And in that moment, I thought, I want that crown. And so while I was there with my wife, I jumped over the velvet rope and I pushed down the armed guard and I broke the glass and I took the crown that did not belong to me. See, the wrath of Britain and the entire commonwealth would rightly fall on me. Why? Because they've got some laws that very clearly prohibit me from messing with their holiness. I want you to keep imagining with me that I go to the royal court to serve my sentence. And I stand there before the judge, rightly convicted of my crime, my transgression, my sin. And just before I am punished, rightfully so, by the wrath of the commonwealth, I want you to imagine someone walks through the door, and it is King Charles III himself. And he says, wait a minute, before you bring your wrath on this man, I want to pay his penalty. I want to absorb the wrath of the commonwealth. In fact, that crown right there, that's my crown. I own that crown. Listen, the only person that could rightfully come in with that kind of authority and take on my punishment is the king himself because all the authority belongs to him. Listen, I hope you are picking up what I'm putting down. That's exactly what Christmas celebrates. The king of glory came to this earth, the king who's rightly on the throne for all of eternity, and he paid the penalty, and he's the only one who could ever do it because the crown belongs to him. He has all the authority and the wrath of God was rightly placed on Jesus because he said, I'll take your penalty. I'll be in your place. My wrath was absorbed, appeased, propitiated in Jesus. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Let me say it to you this way. Because God is holy, our sin requires payment. But listen, because God is love. 
he provided the payment. This is good news. And here's why it's such good news. God did not wait until you were lovable to love you. And praise God for that, because I know me. And I'm sure you know you. And if God waited for me to have all my P's and Q's in order, God waited for me to be lovable, I would still be stuck in my sin. But God moved towards us in love while we were still sinners. That's exactly what Romans chapter five, verse eight and nine says. Look at it. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from what? The wrath of God. Listen, the only beneficiaries of the cross are broken people. And that's good because we're all broken. Anybody just wanna be honest today on this Christmas Eve service? Raise your hand if you messed up before. Go ahead and raise your hand. Everybody, okay, anybody? Oh, there's a bunch of people not raising your hand. You just lied, so you can go ahead and put your hand up. We all messed up. We're all sinners. We all need grace. Praise God. Christmas says God so loved you, he moved towards you in love. Listen, love came down for you. God moved towards you in love. Listen, before you even thought of him. Last week I was on a little dad date like I do with my kids, with my son Blaine. And I take the kids out, we go play cards or something at Starbucks and he's sitting there eating a cake pop and we're playing rummy and I'm just like, man, I love this kid. He's almost 10 years old and I'm just kind of looking at my son and I say, hey buddy, I love you. And he looked back at me and he said, I love you more. <laughs> I said, oh, we're not playing this game. <laughs> I said, no, 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 buddy, I love you more. And he threw down what all kids think is the ultimate trump card. I love you infinity. <laughs> What's bigger than infinity? But I looked at him and I smiled. I said, hey, buddy, you might love me infinity, but I loved you first. He's 10. He didn't really understand the significance of that moment, but <laughs> I did. Because as soon as his mom came to me and said we were having another baby, he had no idea I existed. But I loved that child Listen, I'm an imperfect father with imperfect love and a whole lot of messes. How much more that the God of heaven said in his word that we just read, this is love. Not that you love God, but that he first loved you. Listen. Love came down for you. That's the story of Christmas. Let's put it on the screen one more time. God shows us his love by sending his son to give us life, by dying in our place for our sin. Listen, love came down for you, no matter who you are. You might feel like the most unlovable person in the room. The authority of God himself, he says, you're not unlovable to me. You might feel beat up, kicked down, and all kinds of weary from this world that we live in. And God told you, I came down to show you that you're loved. The late Timothy Keller said it this way. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the gospel. 
the good news. The baby in the manger would grow to live a perfect life, to take on our sin like we talked about and be buried as a dead man. But three days later, he rose again to defeat death, hell, and the grave, to stand ready today to save anyone who would come to him by faith and enter into a friendship, relationship with God. I'm gonna be just transparent with you. I'm praying and I walked around these chairs before anyone got here and just prayed over the seats that somebody would in this room right now, in this moment go, that's what I need. I didn't know I was loved like that. And that's what I've been searching for. Listen, maybe you're here today and you're saying, how? How is that possible? How do I get in on that? The Bible tells us. Romans 10 verse nine simply says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's some authority right there. The same God who holds the universe together right now says you will be saved. Not you might be saved, not he's thinking about it, not if your performance looks good this week, you will be saved. That's the story of Christmas, he came to save. Matter of fact, that's exactly what happened for a man in our church named Derek last year during our Christmas Eve services. Sitting in the seats just like you, he heard the message of the gospel and God saved him. Watch this video. So before I met Jesus, um, I was wandering through life, didn't know where I was going, put all my stress or all my time into to work, which became stressful. Felt empty inside and needed something in my life. And then one day I was sitting in the office and Nancy came to me, a coworker of mine, and she explained to me that she, she had been put on by God in her heart that she needed to pray for me. I wasn't sure how to react. So I said, yeah, sure, I, let's go. And we went into our conference room, but then she changed my life forever when she told me that God wanted me to know that he loved me. At that point, it was as if I was hearing exactly what I needed to hear. Something that I felt like I had been waiting for for a long time, something that I, I felt I was missing in my heart. A Couple days later, she said, hey, why don't you come to church with us uh, for Christmas Eve service? And so I got here to Hope Church and I sat there in the audience and I'm watching Pastor Scott give this great sermon. I'll never forget, he had this lifesaver ring and he it was on a rope and, and he was pulling it towards himself, but yet he couldn't bring it to himself because as he preached, you can't save yourself. You need someone else to pull you in. And that someone else was Jesus. And I'm sitting there listening to this message and it felt like this message was just for me. And then the, after the sermon, Scott invited anybody up who would like to, to speak with a, a pastor. And I had met Pastor Patrick kind of earlier in the service, and I saw him standing uh, behind me. And uh, so I went to Pastor Patrick, and we spoke, and he asked me if I'd um, ever accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I said I had not, and I was tearing up, and you know, it just felt so emotional. And, and he asked me if I was ready to do so that day, and I said yes. And that was the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, I have recently gone through discovering hope, I went through the baptism class, got baptized here, uh, and, and now I'm going through group leader training and getting involved in small groups. But it all started by Nancy. Her coming to me that day was answering the call, and she helped lead me to following Jesus. Hey, come on. Listen, I believe, I believe there are some of you right now feeling just like Derek was. 
not because of the words of a pastor, but because of the word of God and the spirit of God. It's like you're thinking, this thing was just for me. You're hearing the love of God came down for you. For me, it happened right before my senior year of high school. I heard a message very similar to this. And the guy on stage invited people to, to say yes to a relationship with Jesus because the love of God had come for me. And I knew that it was for me. And this summer was 20 years since I began following Jesus. And I'm telling you, I've never regretted it one single time. I'm now living from that approval that I was created to because I've already been approved by God because I'm his. There's so many in the room right now who are followers of Jesus. I really hope this message wasn't just a message that you would encourage your, your, your friends that don't know Jesus to listen to, but you've been encouraged. Man, this God loved me. Listen, the gospel is not just what gets you into heaven. The gospel is what gets you through life. Every day we press into that as followers of Jesus. I believe there are some people here that just like Derek, you need to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that the finished work of Jesus was for you. How do you do that? You just say yes and you believe in this grace through faith. So I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to, to bow your heads for just a moment. If you don't know Jesus today, maybe you've been searching for love and acceptance and a relationship that will fully and freely and forever satisfy you. I'm here to tell you, you showed up to church to hear that your search is over. There's only one that can do that for you. And he's already done all the work necessary for it to be done. God showed you his love by sending his son to give you life, by dying in your place for your sin. If you're here today and you're saying, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment to, to repeat this prayer in your heart after me. It's not the words of a prayer that save you. But 20 years ago, I prayed a prayer similar to this that was just me confessing what was true in my heart just to the Lord himself and saying, yes, save me. So if that's you today, I wanna ask you to pray this to the Lord right there where you're seated in your heart. Say, Jesus, I confess that you are God. I confess that I have sinned against you. I confess that you came into this world confess that you did everything necessary to save me. So Jesus, I turn from my sin. I receive your gift of salvation. And I surrender the control of my life to you. With nobody looking around for just a moment, I'm gonna ask you if you just prayed that prayer to, to do something bold. If we get the lights up a little bit, I wanna see the people that have said yes to a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, if you prayed that prayer, I'm just gonna ask you to slip your hand up because I wanna pray specifically for you. But also I'm gonna ask you to do something because you didn't just make a decision, you began a relationship, a friendship with God. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and just lift your hand up? I just wanna see who prayed that prayer, amen. Praise God, praise God. I wanna pray for you and then we're gonna have you respond in just a moment before we end our service in a special way. But I'm so grateful that the God who saved me and saved so many people in this room and is saving people all over the world, he just saved some people in this moment. So I wanna pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have done. You came to save sinners. 
And you have in this moment tonight. So thank you, Lord, for every person that prayed that prayer, that stepped into a relationship with you. We praise your holy name. Thank you that love came down. I pray that now we'd be able to connect with these people and help them see what living the life of a Jesus follower looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we praise God for all that he did? Because... Following Jesus is not a solo sport. You have to do it together. I'm gonna to ask us all to do something. Grab your cell phone. I'm gonna put a QR code on the screen. I think it's gonna be up there any moment now. There it is right there. I'm gonna ask every person in the room, you're like, please, I've been here for 20 years. Please just do it. As an encouragement to the person next to you, there's also a QR code near you if you're sitting on in the seat, so there should be one near you. What this is, is it's just an opportunity for you to let us know if you made a response decision today or just to let us know if you're here and you're a part of the Hope Church family or if you're a guest. But as you scan that QR code, if you just raised your hand and you said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I want you to check that box. It says, today I began a relationship with Jesus. We wanna know who you are so we can walk with you and show you what it means to follow Jesus, show you how to live the life of a Jesus follower. In fact, if you fill out this short little survey, uh, as you hit submit, you're gonna get a link to an incredible resource that we use here at Hope Church called Right Now Media. Thousands of resources to help you in your faith. But if you began a relationship with Jesus today, we want to know about it. Also, if you're a first-time guest or you have given your life to Christ, make sure you go out to our guest services area. We have a physical gift we'd like to give you as well. First-time guest, just a way to say thank you. And then if you gave your life to Jesus, a way to help you on the journey as you begin to follow Jesus. Merry Christmas, Hope Church.